Yo, welcome back to the podcast. This week, we're doing something a little different. I had a really, really long conversation with Malachi, and I didn't want to have to edit it and cut out parts and it be incomplete. So what I decided to do was chop it up and make it a two-part thing. So this will be episode 75, and the second part will be 75.5. Never done this before but I didn't want to cut anything out because I really appreciated the conversation that I had with Malachi. He had a lot to say, so I wanted to put everything out there for all of you guys to hear without cutting things out and things not really flowing the way that it actually was. So I'm really excited to finally be able to put this out. had a really great conversation with Malachi. Like I say in the episode, I didn't realize how important he actually is to the Northern California scene until I had people on like Sammy, the guys from infirmary who actually explained to me what he does. And it's just more than just playing in bands. He's keeping a lot of things together up there. And I respect him so much for what he's doing for everyone up there. And I really like all the bands that he's in. So without further ado, this is part one of my conversation with Malachi. Please enjoy. How's it going, Malachi? Good, man. Just got off work. Damn, uh, that's crazy. I've been wanting to have you on for a long time. I, I can't remember uh, how long it was um, since the first time I hit you up to be on the podcast. I feel like it was a, a couple months ago. Yeah, that was. We ended up like we were recording for Scowl at the time, so I was like doing the guitar tracks, and I. I had never recorded like guitar before and I didn't realize you had to do both sides. So it just went over super well. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I, I, I'm trying to remember why we didn't um, actually end up doing it, but yeah, now that you mentioned that I, I definitely do remember you had recording for scowl that day. Yeah, it was fun. I just, I totally spaced. I was like, yeah, I'll be good for it. And then I had to do both like, I forgot it's like A and B speakers or however they do it. So you have to do like, you're like, yeah, I nailed it. And they're like, okay, do it again. And I go, oh, fuck. So. For sure. That was a hard experience. Okay. Um, So. I was first, um, or you, you first hit my radar uh, when Lead Dream first hit the scene when you guys put out that um, demo, or would you guys call it an EP? I'd say a demo. We just didn't put demo on it. Okay. Yeah. And this is like this ongoing battle. I, I always have to ask um, whenever I have people on because I, I just want it to be clear because I don't want to call it the wrong thing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm not even worried. If I if it was an LP and you called it a demo, I'd be like, all right, it's a demo. <laughs> For sure. But Ledroom came out and your guys' sound caught my ear because 
back in the day, and I've talked about this before on the podcast, uh, I, I used to love this band um, from, uh, they're from San Jose area, they're called Lose None, and when I listened to Lead Dream, like, your guys' sound just reminded me of that band, and I was just, like, you know, super into you guys, like, right off the bat. Oh, sick, thank you. Yeah, I've met some of the dudes in Lose None, but I forgot if they're, like, Hayward area. I think it's more Hayward. I'm not sure. There's a few bands. There's, like, Lose None. Um, on a war path and a few other bands that were like in that general like area and time. Yeah. I, I always like to lump up. It was uh lose none on a war path and hoods and like hoods had um, the singer Mikey hood had like his own record label, like West coast worldwide. And he had this band on there called murder practice. And I swear by that band to this day, I, I think they were like one of the coolest bands to come out of that area. Did you ever, did you ever see that video? It's, I think it's called like Danforth or something. You know what I'm talking about? Where it shows the skeletons fucking. It was on that label. It was like a whole animated video. And it, they were on Mikey Hood's label. And it was like this crazy ass video. Where it, was all, it looked like it was like, I don't know, just like a dream cast or something the whole time. And it was these skeletons playing a show. And then at one point it shows like skeletons fucking. I remember seeing that and just tripping out. I was like, holy shit. No, I I can't say that I've ever seen anything like that, but it sounds crazy. I would definitely check it out. Okay. Uh, I'll definitely have to look into that. One of my friend's bands from uh, Arizona were actually signed to that label. I don't know if you've ever heard of them. They're called Beg for Life. Yeah, I do know who they are. Okay, yeah. I'm really good friends with the guitar player Jeff Yuma. Yeah, he like he books a lot of shows out there. I don't know him like really personally, but he's friends with a lot of my friends out in Arizona, and all those dudes are solid. Like the, it's like Matt who does Desert Dweller and like the Desert Dweller shows, and uh, there's that band Troubled, and then there's Get a Grip, and there's a few others, and they're they're really good, and like they all have that area like on lock, and they just like throw shows to each other back and forth. Yeah, shout out to Arizona Hardcore. They're doing a lot right now. It's really cool to see. Um, there's actually a benefit show going on that Drain's playing. I, I can't remember who else is on the bill, but it was for Ward 6. Yeah, it's uh, Drain, No Right, uh, Victim to None, and Lead Dream. And it's, uh, it's going to be a benefit show for them because it was a DIY venue. And when it got shut down, they got hit with some fines, and that's just never cool. And they were just running the venue out of the like the kindness of their heart. It's not like they were making a bunch of money off of it. It was just for the scene. So, like Matt and all of them have taken care of a lot of the bands from here. So we wanted to kind of help out and give back because, especially when you're on the road, like booking shows and tours is the biggest pain in the ass. So when you have someone who's always reliable and down and like helps you out and make sure you're taken care of like you want to make sure they're taken care of when shit goes sideways for sure i i think it's awesome that you guys like have that connection and you guys are willing to help out and give back to them since they're on some hard times right now oh yeah i mean always like if it was anyone like i mean i've never been able to make it out to the east coast unfortunately so i don't know like a lot of people out there but all the West Coast promoters 
pretty much know one another. So when if someone were to run into something and I have the power to like do a benefit show or something or like just the like the means to do it, you know, I want to help out because it's it's not easy unless you're like have like a you're a huge band playing these venues that never get shut down because they're they're like serious business. Then it's it's come and go, you know. Sometimes you want to play an area and the venues are all gone or they got shut down, so it's dried up, and you can't pay. Like, there's no way some of these like bands, like you, most bands I'm in, you know, like there's no way we're gonna be able to like cover the cost just by us playing there. And it's like a six hundred dollar venue just for the night, and that's like low if you're lucky, you know. So DIY spots and like promoters like all kind of gotta watch out for each other and just the scenes in general, like. So as everyone sticks together, we could keep keep shit going, keep bands getting out there and going on the road and stuff. Yeah, it reminds me of a similar uh, situation when um, out here we had a DIY venue in Fullerton closed down. Rift Mountain? Yeah. I loved that venue so much, and to see it go made me so sad. Yeah, I went to I think like two shows there, and I, I thought it was awesome. And when they like booked like Jesus Peace, I, I was like, th- that's crazy that they were uh, able to get like a big band like that to actually play that DIY spot. I, I thought that was awesome. And then hearing that it got shut down was just like kind of a bummer because places like that are what like helps what I'm um, or excuse me that helps keep hardcore alive. Yeah, absolutely, and that's what I'm saying. Is like everyone's kind of got to stick together, and if someone's running the venue, it's a big like it's a big weight on your shoulders. It's a responsibility because if it comes to get shut down, you're going to be getting hit with fines. And I think people forget that sometimes. Like whoever's booking the shows or running the DIY spots, like that doesn't mean it's a like it's a fucking party and you could just break shit and like be disrespectful. Or when the venue gets shut down, it's not like a house party where the cops are like all right, later, guys, don't do it again. It's like, no, they're going to red tag you and give you a bunch of fines and shit all over your day. And then people forget, and then that guy's kind of left. You're like, whatever happened to him? Six months later, he comes around. He's like, I've been working overtime. I got so many fines. So it's something to keep in mind, I guess. Yeah, but people got to understand that there's somebody that's taking the risk to be able to house that venue, um, have people in there for the show. It's not just all like fun and games. Oh, exactly. Yeah. And then, you know, every I've been pretty lucky. Everyone's pretty respectful. And I've really enjoyed like booking shows. Um, I've been doing it for super long, like only a few years. And I've done a, a decent amount and I've always enjoyed it. But for the most part, what's cool is when when the scene like looks out for each other and then you don't even really have to do much if someone's being an idiot. Like someone just kind of tells them like, Hey, chill out. And just over the years, I mean, San Jose and Santa Cruz, they all get along. It's really tight now. So everyone will say like 4831. And like, that's like the something people will claim for their bands. Cause we all share members. But I remember it was when I was younger and I was living in SAC, but I would always hear like, the stories of like Santa Cruz and San Jose dudes not getting along and then just like constant bullshit, like always. And then I think the scene we grew up and matured and those who stuck around kind of started being like the, the older siblings of the scene and kind of showing kids like, Hey, you know, it's not, there's a way to have fun without shutting the venue down or alienating someone or 
starting a fight or some shit like that. So it's been really cool to see that, especially like with the people who are doing stuff around here. Yeah. So I kind of want to jump around. I had on um, Sammy from Drain and Jarrett from Infirmary, and you got brought up in both those podcasts, and I didn't know how important you are to the scene up there because I'm outsider looking in. I just thought you were this guy who played in multiple bands, but getting to know um, some people from up there and actually talking to them and then them expressing how important you are to the scene um, took me by surprise and it actually made me want to have you on even more than before. So I I just wanted to have you talk about like, how'd you kind of get in this position where you're booking shows and doing a lot more than just being in a band? Um, we didn't, so it was an accident. (laughs) It was, it wasn't intentional by all, like, by all means, I was just, I was in a band with uh, Justin from Drain. He plays bass in it. And like, we were just like random dudes who kind of, kind of found each other through skating and hanging out. And we'd be like, oh, I like your shirt. And so we ended up starting a band. And we were, I had like gone to some shows around here, but I moved from Santa Cruz when I was pretty young and was back and forth between Sacramento and Santa Cruz my whole life. And so when I moved here, like permanently, uh, I was like, man, there's not really a hardcore scene out here. Like there's not a lot of bands. I don't really know where to go. And I started seeing flyers like randomly. And I would, I would like go out to them, but I didn't know a lot of people. But when we started a band, we were like, all right, we're a small band. No one's going to book us. No one knows us. And uh, Dream was coming up too. And I had met some of them a few times. I actually met Sammy like five times and he forgot my name like fucking five times. I kid you not. Like he's the nicest dude ever. But at that point I was like, I I thought he just didn't recognize me at first, but then I thought he was being a dick. And then I just realized he kept forgetting. So I was like, all right. Um, Cause he literally is like a, the nicest person of all time. So you would just see me and say hi and like act like we were best friends. And I realized that's how he is with everybody. And like, he just genuinely loves everybody. So I was kind of tripping out. I was like, well, I thought this dude was my friend. He fucking forgot me. So him and I, sorry for going off on that real quick, but no, no, it's all good. They all worked at, um, they all worked at Pergs, like Tim and Patty and Pergs would have shows and they kind of just like, they're kind of like, Hey, you want to do a show? Okay. Like we'll take donations at the door and that's that. And like they let you kind of set up in this room, and so we we booked a show. And it was Drain and this band I was in called No Greater Fight, which is like that band lasts like two months. And then this other band called Surf Combat, which I don't think they're around anymore either. But we got it. We got the build together, and they're like, okay, like we're gonna have this show, and uh, we made like a flyer. And I didn't, I didn't even have Twitter. I didn't know Twitter was like big and hardcore or even like in general. I had like Facebook and even that I didn't know how to like make event pages or anything yet. So we, we like went around town putting flyers up and stuff. And it was this whole ordeal. We, we were like, all right, we're going to grassroots it. And it really worked and it packed out like super heavy. So we did it. And then one of the guys there was like, you should do this again. So I did it again, and then people started, like, seeing videos of, like, these Santa Cruz shows, so they wanted to play. 
So I did it again. And then I just kept doing it. And I was like, oh, shit. Like, I guess I'm just this guy now. So I started doing that. And there was a period of time when I wasn't in bands. And I was like, oh, no. Like, I don't want to be just the show booking guy. I want to play music, too. And so I started a bunch, like, got involved with a bunch of bands. And so it kind of went, you know, it's, it's give and take. Like, sometimes I'll be like, I'll be stoked that I'm booking a bunch of shows and then other times I'll be like super bummed if like people don't come out because I'm like oh fuck like the only reason I'm doing this is to like hang out with my friends and then you realize your friends got shit to do and you're like all right whatever yeah definitely get that I I would be bummed if my friends didn't show out but but it's cool that you're understanding it's so expensive to live here if someone's like I got work I'm like all right I get it man like most, I mean, what's cool is we have, like, younger kids, and it's, we have, like, a good following. And Santa Cruz and San Jose, like I said, are basically the same scene. So, like, if there's a show in Santa Cruz one night, kids from San Jose will drive over the hill and vice versa. And we just kind of book around with each other. So, um, it's been cool, though. Like, I really enjoy doing it. And there was never, like, a, it wasn't on purpose, but I just became part of my role. And I just want, like, it's just to help out, you know? So, like, if there's a new band, it's like, cool, you're playing the show. They're like, really? Yeah, yeah. I mean, we need more bands. We can't just have the same opener every time, so. And when you book these shows, are you just doing it, like, completely solo, or do you have, like, a team behind you helping out behind the scenes? Um, I'd say everyone who lives here helps out in some way or another. As far as, like, flyers and making the flyers, event pages, and, like, promoting it. Like, I do that myself, but then everyone kind of shares the flyer and supports it, and, like, it's pretty tight-knit. So I'd say, like, everyone helps out, you know? Like, it's definitely been times where I was, like, cleaning up by myself, and I was the only one doing anything, really. And then there's times where, like, people stay late, and they're like, hey, you need any help cleaning up? And I'm like, sure, that'd be great because we have a diner right across the street from where where like we book shows a lot at Sabrosa. So everyone will be like, let's go to Saturn. And I'll be like, hold on, I got a bunch of stuff to clean up. And everyone goes to Saturn and I'm like, oh fuck. Like, so I'm not, it's definitely times when like, you kind of feel like the thankless, the thankless part of it, but it's never like, it's never like a, I've never felt that way. You know what I mean? Like, I've never been like, oh, this sucks. Like, I'm doing all this stuff. I'm, I'm like, very grateful that we have that, like, that we have the opportunities to book shows here. And it, it's definitely, like, a group effort, you know? Yeah, for sure. It's kind of just, like, part of the gig. Yeah, absolutely. And, like, there's, there's people who have been doing it way longer than me that continuously do it. Like, Stephanie from San Jose does it. I know uh, Jaffe and Theo and Elliot, like, Elliot plays in Gold and Jaffe and Theo are in Hands of God. And uh, they've been, they've always helped out. Like, they've done shows over the hill. There's, unfortunately, he moved, but a huge shout out to Rusty and like everything he did because he brought a lot of bands to this area for a long time. And he just did it because he wanted to do it and see bands, you know? So, like, I always have a lot of respect for people that are doing that because it's not, some people, like, there's definitely cash grab promoters I've seen and like they'll be like oh like I'm gonna book this show and I was like yeah 
whatever, man, like you're, you're doing it for one reason, but then there's other people who are doing it for the right reasons. So I see it. I see all the, like it goes around. You kind of see what's going on. And that venue, Sabrosa, that's been around for, for a while, hasn't it? Yeah, I just started. I mean, I've only done hardcore shows there for like a couple or a few years, but it's been around for a minute. They've done a lot of shows there, like a lot of indie shows, a lot of like folk shows, and they do kind of everything. They do some like hip hop and rap shows. Like they do everything they can. That's a collective. So the venue itself is like it takes a you know it takes a village to run it, and that's all volunteer based. And so that's really cool. It's a small venue, but we've had We've had some pretty notable bands in it. Like I remember Sanction played there on their off day. They had a bunch of fun and then the Jesus Peace Jutai Year of the Knife Tour came through. That was a lot of fun. So there's been band homewreckers played there and uh like Spine Regional Justice Center. You still there, oh, sir? Yeah, been- oh yeah, sorry, my phone started bleeping. That's all good. But yeah, so, there's a, it's been cool. So besides Sabrosa, uh, how many other places do you um, book shows at? I mean, when I can, I'll book them. I did some at Bocce's for a while. Um, it's a fun place to book. They prefer 21 and up though, and I, I won't really do that. I yeah, it's kind of rough. I see 21 and up, like when, when you get stuck doing that, it, it pretty much destroys like destroys your draw and not only that like i don't really like it because i don't know the some of the dumbest shit i've ever seen was that like 21 and up shows where everyone's just drunk and being stupid so like i see a lot of like unnecessary stuff and most times when people do 21 and up they want it because the bar so it's the venue wanting you to sell drinks for them and i was like ah i'm not really in the business of selling drinks for you i'm I'm trying to just have shows for my friends, you know what I mean? So like if it's if it's twenty one and up I won't do it. Bachi's will do some all ages sometimes. There's a venue here called the Cray Place. They'll do like indie shows and like mellower stuff. Um there's the Catalyst, which is like for bigger name bands, they'll come through. Like I've played there a few times. I've seen a bunch of my friends play there and that's really cool. Um I'll book over the hill sometimes, like we, I try to do a lot, like Stephanie books a lot out there and we'll do like the Peace and Justice Center. Or, um, we'll do, like I've done the X-Bar and that's like a bowling alley with like a side room. That one's pretty cool. Like that's cool to have like, there's some options and like the venues are being taken care of well and everyone's pretty good at what they're doing. So like since they're staying o- open longer, it's it's made things a lot easier because when you have one venue to pick from like, Sometimes you got to like turn away like really good shows because you just don't have a spot for them, you know. Yeah, it's it's always nice to have a good number of options when it comes to venues. Yeah, yeah, that's like the biggest thing. Um, venues are just few and far in between sometimes, and like it's hard. It depends. Like to find a good one, you know. A lot of people I know they'll book shows and they'll be like, "Yeah, this place is cool," but. <laughs> and then the the butt almost outweighs like the good, you know. So 
it's nice that right now where we're at, we're having, we have a lot of good going on. So I mention this all the time. So everybody that's heard me mention this, but I grew up in Palm Springs and back in like the early two thousands, the like scene that was around at the time, it was like struggle city. I like to give like big praise to my buddy. His name's Steven Kipple. Um, he worked like so hard to just for us to even have a scene. And I just remember he would have to book shows at like literally like the most like random places. Um, like back then, like we used to have shows at like the local YMCA and we used to have this cool place. It was like a, it was like this like two story, like pizza place in Indio and the outside, it was a, it was shaped like a castle and like downstairs was like a, it was like a Chuck E. Cheese type place with like, you know, like coin ops and pizza and stuff. But then upstairs they just had this giant banquet hall and you could rent it out. And he used to, you know, spend money out of his own pocket to get the place and then to make sure that the bands got paid. And so like he was like always losing out on money. Um, but I always just gave him a ton of respect because for him to go through all that just for us to be able to have shows just took like so much work that like a lot of people to this day probably don't even understand or probably don't even care but like for me since i'm still into hardcore and i see how things actually work behind the scenes i I, just it's just crazy and i'll like never like forget what he did for us and not having venues back then and seeing like him have to go through the struggle of like trying just to find a place for a show to happen like it's just nice when there's scenes that have like steady venues and they don't have to go through that struggle oh yeah i mean we've because of our our venues are pretty small like i don't know if you've ever seen the videos of it but it's like it's like here's a big it's basically like here's an oversized bedroom and we're gonna cram everybody into it that's most of venues so it's almost like a house show every time you know what i mean so when there's bigger like when there's bigger stuff we'll we'll book them at like community centers and stuff like that like the uh the hands of god record release show i helped out with that one and that was like that was at a community center and it was awesome like it was it was actually one of the like smoothest running shows there's a bunch of bands and it got it it went like in uh finished on time and no one took forever everything was backlined and it was like clockwork it was awesome like it's really cool to have that happen and there were so many people there so like stuff like that's cool and like but again like up until that because it was supposed to be i forgot where it was supposed to be it was supposed to be, I think, at Bocce's, and I had helped him book it, and then the guy changed ownership, and the new owner was like, I don't know if, like, we can do it because of this back room. We'll have to do it in the front room, but if we do it in the front room, it'll be 21 and up. And I was like, there's no way we're going to do it if it's 21 and up. And that show sold out, like, insane. So that venue actually lost money. If they, if they would have made it all ages, they would have had a bunch of money, but... So stuff like that. So we've had that. We're like, okay, the venue fell through. Then I go to another spot. I'm like, oh, the, this venue's not working. So then I go to another spot. And like, so we, we ended up getting it there at the community center and it worked out perfectly. But trying to find it was very stressful. And I think at the time, Jaffe was on tour with Hands of God. He must have been in like Canada or something. And he couldn't really, he just like hit me up because he asked me to do the thing and I was like okay we're gonna find this because I didn't want it to like fall through it was a sick bill and yeah it worked out so it was stressful as shit like 
that kind of stuff is always super stressful. Recently, there was that um, it was like two tours came through up there. It was the e- the Eco Strike tour and then the Summer of Fear tour. Did Did you have a hand in that? Yeah, yeah, I booked it. I combined them, so it was like it was either going to be like one night where two shows were happening, and or one night where both shows were happening at once. So I was like, we should just put both shows happening at once. Might be a little mixed bill, but it's going to be cool. And it was on a Wednesday night, and it still packed out pretty good. So that was cool. Yeah, I was actually like a little jealous because I like saw that. And I was like, man, that'd be so cool to see both those tour packages in one night. Because I, I went to both tours um, down here in Southern California. Oh, yeah, both bands. I mean, both packages were amazing. Like, all those bands were really good. Yeah, I love uh, Magnitude. I, I think that band's awesome. Envision. Um, out down here, um, infirmary played, which I, I love that band so much, but they weren't up, uh, on your guys's bill. Was it just because the, there's just so many bands on both tour packages or. Yeah, pretty much. I think cause infirmary played the typecast one, right? The, yeah. Yeah. The, the one that, program. Yeah. I would have put them on if it, if I had room, you know what I mean? Like there was a bunch of people hit me up to play that show. And um, I was like, I would, but there's seven bands, so no. Yeah. Like, I'm not. You're not trying I to put on a fest. Yeah, I accidentally book fest frequently, like where you know your friend hits you up and he's in a new project, or hey, can we can we play this show? And you're like, sure. And then another person hits you up and they kind of sweet talk you, and then I'm like, fuck, dude, there's like seven bands tonight. I mean, it usually goes pretty smooth and it gets over on time because hardcore bands play like a 10-minute set, 15-minute set. So it works pretty well if you backline everything. But I, I've done that. I've had to be a little more stern lately because I was like, all right, I can't, I can't keep doing this to myself. It's going to be like 12 o'clock before I get home, like easily, probably one or two in the morning most times if I'm doing it like something like that. Yeah, and, and you, you don't want to like overload the show, and you want to be able to enjoy it and not have to stress out about getting out so late. And on top of that, dealing with all the bands. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's, I've had a lot of weird experience. I remember because the venue's small, one of the venues I book at, and it was storming super bad, and I was like, "There's no way people are gonna make it to this show," because I barely made it to the show, and I live down the street. And so, like, stuff like that where, like, you're kind of like, oh, no, like, how's this going to do? There's uh, that, and, like, because it's small, bands usually set up merch outside. So, like, they get bummed if you're like, oh, dude, it's storming outside. I don't I don't have a place for you to set up merch. Like, you could set it up on this little counter, but then, like, four bands are trying to share, like, a tiny-ass counter for their merch, and... A lot of bands nowadays have like crazy merch spreads. I don't know how they do it. It's cool. It gives you a lot to choose from, but I've definitely like, I've seen some where I was like, how do you guys have so much merch? I That reminds me of like way back in the day, I saw 25 to life at the showcase theater and they had their merch upstairs and 
like, I'm not even kidding. I, they had like over like 20 different pieces and I was just staring at it all. I was like, I don't even know what to buy. I was like, I'm just going to walk away. There's too much stuff to like look at. Was how long ago was that? Was that like before he kind of like went on his, uh, his rants and raves and whatever he does online? Yeah, this was like in the early 2000s. I want to say it was like 2003, 2004. I can't remember exactly. Oh, sure. I like that he posts like pictures of his food online randomly. He's like, I'm eating good. And it's like, just like slop. It's like a piece of chicken and like a bunch of like frozen vegetables. Yeah, I have no idea what he's up to. He, he's a strange dude. That, yeah, yeah, he's something. I don't know. I just think that it's, of all things, the one thing I like is he has all these these posts and everything, and he's, like, selling merch still. Like, a lot of merch still. I had a friend buy merch off of him recently. I was like, you just bought merch off of him? You actually sent it? He's like, yeah. All right. Yeah. He's, I, he's I, I definitely would be skeptical. There's no way in hell I would trust that merch deal to go through. Yeah, and we, we got to, like, not send it friends and family on PayPal. We got to do it as a business transaction. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> There's no way he knows how to do that stuff. He still probably asks you to send the money first, like, VML, and then, like, send it back, like, a month later. Yeah, he's probably like, all right, I'm still waiting for your cash to get here, and then I'll mail out your T-shirt. Yeah, exactly. He's doing it. He's doing the mail order. <laughs> it's pretty old school. Yeah, so you're in uh, a couple different bands. I just wanted you to kind of talk about um, like which band you started or you were in first and kind of work your way up to now. Uh, like of all time or just the ones I'm in right now? Oh, uh, just the current bands. Okay, yeah, the first band was uh, Jawstruck and I started that one with Chelsea and um, it's funny, every band that I've pretty much been in the dudes from drain will like rotate out so like they'll play they'll play with us until we find like full-time members you know what i mean like they'll always help me get bands started so that's awesome started. yeah <laughs> yeah i mean they taught me how to play like play instruments too like i wouldn't know how to play bass if it wasn't for justin like he lived on my couch for a little bit and like taught me how to kind of like doodle on a bass and then when he moved out, he left like an acoustic bass here and I just started messing around on it. So Chelsea was like, I want to be in a band. I was like, cool, I'll play bass. She's like, you know how to play bass? I was like, yeah. I did not know how to play bass at all. Like, there's no way. And so I tried and I kept trying and then eventually by our first show, I like kind of had it. Second show was a little better and then like third show, I was like, all right, I, I could play our songs. And so we had... Jostruck start out and then eventually Jake and Cole joined and Kyle um, who lives down south now and so like we had a we had a band and then from there I ended up I just did Jostruck for a while but then I was like I kind of want to front a band again and Dirt who plays in Hands of God and then like Tsunami now I don't know if you've heard that demo it's pretty sick yes um, <laughs> let's pause on Tsunami because we will get to that eventually Okay, for sure. Um, yeah, so Dirt, he plays in like Dream. What What's funny is he showed me this like intro he wrote and like some stuff he was working on. I was like, we should do a band. And this was like two years ago. And then finally it like panned out. So we started 
we started Lead Dream, and it was like me, Dirt, and Matt, who plays in the infirmary. And then we wrote all the songs, and we recorded all of them. And then Elliot from Gulch and Spinebreaker, he played bass like the first show, and eventually Jarrett, Jarrett joined Sled Dream. And so we did that. And then right after, I was like sitting here, and my girlfriend, she was like, I want to sing in a band. I was like, yeah, that'd be sick. I, I kind of want to play guitar in a band. She was like, yeah, that'd be sick. So I was like, let's do it. So I hit up Cole. Cole was like, I'm down. And then Tim was like, yeah, I'll play bass for you until you find a, a full-time like bassist. I was like, cool. So we did it. And uh, I got a guitar probably in like March of this year. And then we recorded the demo in May, I want to say. Sometime around then. So I wrote the demo out and we jammed it out, got it going. This is like hardcore punk. And uh, every every band I'm in lets me kind of use things that are like different influences from music I like because I listen to a lot of different music, especially a lot of different like hardcore bands and punk bands. And, you know, so that was really cool. It's cool to be in bands that let me like express myself in different ways and like have like a different creative outlet. I think uh, it's good too because I see bands getting like burnt out because like someone will be like ah like I love playing in this band but it's not really like what I'm feeling right now and you're like all right man like then what do you want to play I'm like I, I want to play in a heavier band or a more punk band or something but I'm fortunate enough where I get to play in like all three of those styles so uh, want to kind of unpack all that so right now uh Jostrug, you guys haven't been too active recently we we did some stuff like way more early in the year. Yeah. And uh, Chelsea's in school. Like she was like doing some stuff in school. So we were like playing shows here and there, just not like a whole lot. But now we have, we're about to do like a Southwest tour that's going to get announced pretty soon. Oh, okay. And I've never been to some of the states that we're going to. So I'm excited for that. And we're recording an EP in about like two weeks and playing like a couple of shows around here, like one with Rotting Out and Sack, and then one with Scarhead and I think it's either Hayward or Fairfield, I'm not sure. So we're playing a couple of those shows and we're playing Unity Fest in uh, September. So coming up, it's like the the 21st through 22nd. So Josh Truck's doing that and then that's kind of like we, we had like a big beginning of the year and we're kind of chilling and now we're going to try to finish off the year. Right. You know, I, I actually really like that because you guys started the year off good. And I, I like that you guys, you know, not kind of took a break, but still stay, are staying busy behind the scenes. Cause the fact that like you're about to announce the Southwest tour, you guys are going to record a new EP and then you got some cool shows lined up at the end of the year. I, I think that's super awesome. Yeah, well, we were, like, we get stir-crazy. Like, it was, it sucked, too, because, like, um, Chelsea was in school, and she got T-boned, like, in her car, so she broke her arm, so it, like, set her back in school, because she's doing, like, like union stuff, like, electrician, like, electrician work or something. So I was like, all right, cool. Like, you do what you got to do, make money and make ends meet. So, like, I totally understood that, but while that was happening, I was like, all right, cool, well, I'm not going to not do stuff. So that's when Scal started doing more stuff. 
And so while if one band's like being less active or someone can't do something, like we'll still play shows. We're not going anywhere, but that just means another band could do more. Yeah. I was really curious because I saw that Scarhead lineup and I'm just really curious like how that show came together because I was like looking around and I, I went on Scarhead's like Twitter and they haven't posted in like over a year. So I was just trying to figure out like, are they just flying out for that one show? Or are they doing more? They're doing a tour. Um, I think, I don't know if they use Twitter, but I know they for sure use Instagram or at least like Ezek does. That dude uses that dude uses Instagram a lot, so he posts about it a lot. Okay, I'm gonna have to go lurk his Instagram to see the other dates. Dude, I would definitely follow his Instagram. He does these like live show announcements or something, and I was like, this is pretty entertaining. So I watch his I watch his videos all the time. He's definitely he's having fun in life. Okay. Hell yeah. All right. Well, I'm definitely going to make a note to follow him and check that out. Um, you mentioned that unity fest that's happening like, towards the end of September and like a, a lot of bands from up North are coming down to play that. Are you guys like all like just like going to caravan down together? Um, I don't know. I know. I mean like Scal and Josh Struck is like, the there's like, the only difference is two members, so like we'll probably all go down in the same, same like caravan or something, you know. And then there's a lot of LA bands playing and some bands flying in. So I'm trying to remember who from up north is playing. I think it's only us two, maybe maybe another one. Um, but there's a lot from down south playing that I know. Like and some some from the East Coast as well. So it's, it's like a whole mix. It's like punk, oi, and hardcore. There's a couple of like hip hop acts on it as well. So it's uh it's like a mixed bag, but that's on purpose. Like that was the whole point of it because I feel like people pigeonhole themselves into like just listening to like heavy like hardcore, just listening to like punk, or just listening to oi like everyone kind of takes influence from each other, at least especially in the early days. So to have a fest that showcases all of that is what the goal of it was. Yeah. It still blows my mind how there's like still so many walls up in like these different genres of hardcore. Like I, because I've always been the type to listen to all types of different hardcore. So knowing that there's still people out there who only listen to like the heavy, like aggressive, like um, quote unquote beat down stuff or just like youth crew. It's um, still pretty interesting to me. Oh yeah. I, I never quite got that. Like I, I think some like subgenres there that ever took like, a little longer to grow on me at first, but I still enjoy them. They're still dance. I'm like, yeah, you know, like I might not be super into this style, but I recognize like the talent and listen to it. You know, like I, I'm pretty big about like not talking shit on like one specific genre or like a band or something, because I know how hard it is. I know how hard it is to, to be in a band or to do to do anything related to it so i try hard not to like make fun of like 
fans or talk shit or talk shit on the genre because that's what they love, you know? Who am I to say it's, it's worse or better than anything else? Yeah, I'm definitely in that same boat. If I'm not a fan of a band, that's where I leave it. I never go out of my way to talk shit or try to put a band down for putting out music that I'm not into because you know it could be somebody else's favorite band. So I don't, I don't want to make anybody feel bad for trying to put in work and support the scene or and I don't want to make any of their fans feel bad for liking the music because I might not like it. So I just kind of keep the negativity to myself if it's unnecessary. Yeah. The only time I've ever had any issues with fans, it was never like a, it was never the music they're playing. It was like a personal issue with them as people. Okay. I've had that at times, but I don't, I don't post about it. Like that's not something that I think is, I don't know. There's too much drama online. I don't want to like contribute to that. You know what I mean? Like every, sometimes I wake up and I'll be like scrolling through a feed and I need to go back to bed and like restart my day turn my phone off or I'm just going to be pissed off all day. Yeah. And there's a lot of crap going on. And honestly, I, I definitely feel that because for me, I've talked to so many people involved in hardcore and I'm always scared of, of getting too personal because it's just like, I w- want to have you on the podcast or I, I want to talk to you because I love your music. And uh, I'm, you know, it's just one of those things where they tell you like, you know, don't meet your heroes or whatever, but it's just like, yeah, sometimes I, I just don't want to get too personal with people because like if they're shitty and I find out, it definitely affects like the way I feel about their music. Oh yeah, totally. Like, <laughs> That's the worst when you're like, I love this band, and you meet them, or you see them do something that doesn't sit right with you, and it just, like, leaves that, like, that haunt on you, you know? Like, you're trying to listen to it in your car, and you're like, this band's cool, but remember that one time? And you're like, fuck, like, I don't don't want to listen to this band again. But, I mean, it comes and goes, too. There's definitely bands where, like, um, they've made great music. Like I've heard there's bands I love, they make great music and then something happens where it's like, they're like quote unquote canceled. And it's like, well, I'm not going to say the music wasn't good. Like everyone loved that band and the music was good. Yeah. It turns out they're shitty people. That's a personal thing. Like I don't support that. I'm not going to like go to their show or something if it was something that drastic, but like, I'm never going to be like, yo, that band sucked. You know, like, people change their tone a lot just to like hop into the drama and it's not really, I don't know. It's not honest to me for when that happens. Like I, I just couldn't like, you know, I'm not going to like judge, judge it based off that. I, I might not like buy their shirt or anything now, but I can't talk shit on it, you know? Yeah. Cause at that point in time, you weren't aware of the personal stuff. So you just judged the music, you know, by the music, not like what the person had done, um, behind the scenes. And I definitely get what you're saying. Cause there's a bunch of bands out there that I think for their time period did awesome stuff. And then later down the road, they get outed and shit happens. And it's well-deserved people do bad things and that they get called out. I, I think it's, you know, their fault. They get what's coming to them, but it definitely sucks. The music to me is still good, but like, yeah, like, it's just like, you can't really support it at that point, but I'm not going to change my tune and be like, yeah, that record sucked when I used to love it, you know? Yeah. I mean, the craziest thing to me, the most wild thing to me is when 
people listen to this music, you know, this music that's hard and heavy, and especially like heavier bands, like the the lyrics, the lyrics is literally saying like, I'm going to beat this dude into a coma or something, you know, mm-hmm. like not, I haven't learned, that's just an example, you know, and you hear it and you're like, you're getting hyped to this music. You might go skate to it or surf to it or like some people go to the gym to it and they're all stoked on it. And you hear it, you go to the show, you're all stoked. And then something happens. And like, let's say like the person in that band did something along those lines and people freak out. They're like, oh my God, I can't believe he did that. I was like, I, I think you foreshadowed that and you're all about it. Like it, it's not a, it's some people are not cosplay here. They're, this is a legitimate thing that they deal with or they get into some trouble or they get into a fight, something happens. So for people to freak out when it happens, but they're talking about it in the music and they're all about it, like it shocks me a little bit. Like I'm not going to judge someone who says they're active or they're from a neighborhood or something. And then something happens. Like I couldn't listen to like half the, half the rappers I like, if that was the point, you know, like I just think that's a, that's a, one of those things where it was a, there's a difference between a difference between like people who are serious about it and what they're saying and people who are like who are doing it more for like aesthetic reasons you know so when that happens it kind of shocks me just because I'm like okay like they they told us what they're about we can't cancel them because they did what they're about you know yeah especially if you're supporting singing along knowing like what the lyrics were yeah, they're wearing shirts that have the lyric on the back, and then they're like, "I can't believe he did that," or "She did that," you know, like, "I can't believe that person did that," you know, like they're every way, you know, every which way they're they're freaking out. They're, they're I can't believe that happened. You're like, "What do you mean?" Literally, just pull the shirt out of the drawer, look on the back of it, and some like some crazy lyric. Like, I'll make one of it. It's like, if I see you, you're a dead motherfucker, or something like that. And then if like not this is all hypothetical but then you know some guy it's all over like lamb goat or some shit or whatever one of those sites is it's like singer or guitar player of this band shot someone and everyone's like fuck that band it's like hold on wait a second you were wearing the shirt where the guy's holding a gun and it has that lyric so i mean you were supporting that all along just because now it's like a legal thing or it's outed or something like you're not you're not with it like that's fine that's your choice but it doesn't make sense if you're supporting it in the first place but then when it became real you're like oh my god like it doesn't it catches me off guard a little i'm not it's to each their own okay so want to back up for a second you mentioned um the rappers that you listen to i want to know were you ever listening to takashi 69 I was not listening to Zakashi Six Nine, and so I lived in Sac for a long time. So like, rappers I listened to like growing up would be like Bay Area rappers or Sacramento rappers. So like, for example, X Rated, X Rated went to prison for murder and stuff like that. But in his albums, he was talking about that stuff. So I was never like, oh my god, I can't listen to X Rated because he shot and killed someone. I was like, well, I know what he's about and he talks about it. So that's music. I mean, he's like a changed person and 
at least that's what he says, and he's rehabilitated, and he, I think he's, like, born again or something. But whatever it is, I'm not shocked, you know? So, like, that's one person. Or, like, when you think about, like, rappers that that get shot or, like, pass away, they get killed. You think about, rap, like, uh, Nipsey Hussle, that guy. And I was doing a lot of good for his community. He was part of an active gang. He got shot and died, and people were freaking out. And I understand that. And it, it was a terrible tragedy. When it happened, I was not surprised because of that. You know, like he was about what he talked about, and he was he was active. He was in a neighbor, like he was from like a from a gang, and that's how it went. And so, when people freak out about stuff like that, or like they say you can't support this guy because he did this, but he talks about it in his music. Like there's there's a few cardinal sins like you can't. You can't really, like, I'm not going to support you, especially if you're, like, not, like, if you're, like, a child molester or something. Like, that's not okay. Like, I will not support you for that. Um, I won't even listen to the music because it pisses me off. Like, certain things like that, I understand. But stuff like, like, being a part of a gang and getting in trouble for gang violence and then people are like, you shouldn't support that. That's your choice. But you, you supported it when, before you got in trouble for it. So... Like that, okay. I wanted to switch gears and uh, ask you about a one of your songs from Lead Dream, uh, the song SSRI. Oh, yeah, that's a fun one. Yeah, I I was curious uh, why you chose that name for for the title of the song. Oh, it's uh, it's an anxiety medication. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, I was curious. Are you um, on any medication right now? Uh, no. So, I mean, I, I always joke about it. I say the next Let Dream EP should just be off the meds for the like for the title mm-hmm. because I, for a long time, it wasn't even like anxiety, I guess, but whatever it was, there was a point in like a few years back, and um something was going wrong. It was either my thyroid or something, but it just felt like I was in like fight or flight all the time. Like it felt like adrenaline constantly. So I went to the doctor after like two weeks because I lost a bunch of weight really fast. I wasn't talking to people. I was just kind of zombied out in my house and I was like, I want to sleep, but I can't sleep. And uh, I went to the doctor and they're like, yeah, you, you're kind of fucked up. I was like, yeah, no. So that's why I'm here. They, uh, yeah, so I, I talked to them. They, they put me on these, like, these, uh, the SSRIs. And that was, like, a big thing. And I liked the fact that it, it mellowed me out and, like, I was able to not get that feeling. However, it mellowed me out too much. So it was kind of like I was indifferent to a lot of things. So eventually I, I didn't want to be on them anymore. I wanted to find a way to address anything with anxiety or my body acting like acting up in a more positive way that wouldn't affect me like like that stuff that stuff will make you gain weight like i was like having trouble like maintaining like my weight i was having trouble like being like motivated so like there was a lot of good from it it's like okay cool like you're indifferent you don't want to have these suicidal thoughts or something you don't want to like go drive off a bridge or have these crazy thoughts in your head that like drive you insane at night. But 
you also don't want to live your life. So I was like, ah, oh, this is a give or take. So that was a big thing for me for a while. And I talk about it a lot and everything in my dream, all the lyrics are things that are relative in my life. Like it's something that I experience very regularly. So SSRI was kind of just me writing about kind of like uh, the sadness. You'll, you'll get these waves of sadness and you'll get these waves of self-doubt and you'll get these like, you'll get a little devil on your shoulder. He's like, you suck. Like you're, you're worthless or whatever. You get all this self-doubt little devil on your shoulders being a little asshole and he's telling you to off yourself or something like that. And then you have the other side of it where your mind knows that this isn't, this isn't what shouldn't be going on. Like you shouldn't have this little devil here. You shouldn't have like this little thought in your head, like this self doubt that's bringing you down. You're like your own worst enemy. So you're thinking about all this shit in your life, but you're very self-aware. So that's kind of the thought like in that song is like how self-aware that you're not, you're not going to fall down this hole, but you have this bait right there. And I wrote that. Um, I wrote that when I was experiencing that. And that's kind of how I got through a lot of things emotionally. And I would just write about it. Things that pissed me off, things that made me happy things, you know, so I'd write about that and led dreams kind of getting the, the lyrics from those situations. There are some lyrics in there that I, I read. And I'm like, damn, this goes pretty deep. Like um, lashing out for the high forgiveness. For, forgiveness comes when I die. I, I was just like thinking about that. I'm like, damn, it's rough. Yeah. That one's, that kind of, that was a deep one because I just remember growing up and just like fucking around, being the center of the attention, just trying to like get, like get people to like laugh. And I always liked making people laugh. Like thing for me that I really enjoyed. And so I was, I was doing that and uh, I don't know. It's a, it's this kind of thing. Like I was for a long time for like downhill skating, and I did that like professionally at one point. And what I would do is I, I would, you're going like 45, 60 miles per hour on a skateboard, and you're like racing next to people. And I think everyone that does that it has a a little bit of a death wish. And I I mean I still do it, but it's it's definitely something where I would do. I remember playing like chicken with cars, like just to scare them because I thought it was funny. And like doing things like that. So like I was thinking about stuff like that where it's like, all right, like I'm lashing out. I feel alive right now. Like I feel invincible and it's like this high. And then all of a sudden like people are pissed at you because like you went a little too far with a joke or you did something that was gnarly or something like that. So you're like, well, fuck it. They'll miss me when I'm dead. So that was where that came from. Damn. Yeah, that's crazy. Uh, so I never knew you uh, did that professionally, downhill skating. Did you ever get um, like any speed wobbles and crash? Oh yeah, dude. I I hit cars. I hit shit so many times. I remember like I would do stupid shit, like thinking I was funny, and then I would eat shit because of it. I was like, oh, it wasn't worth it. Like, you know. <laughs> like, yeah, you just like, like oh, crash. Oh, They're like, in pain. You're like, oh, maybe I shouldn't have done that. Yeah, there's there's a few times like I remember we were we were like bombing a hill and I came up and like I passed this kid and I, I was like doing it like one footed and like had my arms up like a ballerina 
and right it was going right into this turn but i didn't see some gravel and right when i hit it like my board got all wobbly but i only had like one foot on it and i just ate shit damn and everyone was laughing and i was like oh that was funny and like you keep a brave face but you're pissed you're covered in road rash and you're like having a really bad night afterwards so like yeah I, i definitely had to learn how to how to reel myself back in if you ask a lot of my friends they'll probably tell you that i I'm still working on that, but it'll get there. Uh, I'm young. I'll get there eventually. Uh, how old are you? 24. Okay. Yeah. Still young. Enjoy it. Young ish. I feel old sometimes, but. Oh man, I feel old. I, I'm 30, and sometimes I, get, I I think about that number, and I'm just like, ugh, it's, it's a lot of years. It's definitely the new 20. Um, you know, uh, maybe I'm, I'm trying to make the most of my thirties. You will think you will, you're doing a lot of stuff. I mean, I, I haven't, you've been asking me a lot of questions, but I was wondering if you're like in bands or if you're doing stuff like that.